Finley Toyota Studio. It's Cofield and Company. Sharks dump it in with two and a quarter to go in the third. Reimer goes to the bench. Stone trying to tip it out. Couldn't get it to the point. And a shot from the point goes into the goal. It's Timo Meyer, and the Sharks are back within one. Here's Meyer, a shot blocked by a sprawling McNabb, and he uses his right leg to prevent it from going to the middle. Point shot goes wide. Rebound. They score at the horn. It will count. The Sharks have tied it 4-4. The rookie, Thomas Bortolo, can win it right here in his fifth NHL game. He works to the slot. He waits. He scores. Thomas Bortolo wins it in a shootout for the Sharks. 5-4 here at T-Mobile Arena. It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. All right, here we go. Five o'clock hour. Draft week. It's here. Hard to believe Las Vegas hosting a draft. We are the center of the sports universe. Cofield, Adam Hill, Finley Toyota Studios. We got NBA action going on right now. The Nets haven't exactly uh, come out gangbusters here. They are down seven with a minute left. In the first half, 53-46 to 46 Celtics trying to close out the star-laden Brooklyn Nets in four straight. It's not looking good at this moment. Uh, we've got developing discussions, I won't even say rumors, on Darren Waller potentially on the move before Thursday's first round. So we'll get into that and a lot more on the Knights and a horrific loss. Heard some of the highlights coming in. Terrible loss especially since they were up and squandered the lead so late in the game and then couldn't get the job done in the overtime or the shootout. And now news finally from the organization on Robin Leonard, a loaded Big Five. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the Big Five at Five, number five. So Allegiant Stadium hosted a spring showcase for UNLV football, and it was interesting. It was good to see uh, lots of 11 on 11. Uh, they went through probably 10 or 12 periods of that. And we got to see a long look at Tennessee transfer Harrison Bailey, quarterback, Doug Brumfield, right out of the portal. Right? He took about a week off, looked over his options, decided to come back to UNLV. So Brumfield and Bailey played about 90% of the snaps in that 11 on 11. Uh, Matt Geating played a little bit. Cameron Friel was out for maintenance. As I was doing last week with my arm, he's he's managing managing the arm, uh, but I try 100% believe Friel is in the race along with both of those guys. But they just got Brumfield a couple days ago. He already knew, knew the offense. He was up, <laughs> up to speed. Well, he didn't forget it in uh, you know whatever good. four days of taking off football. That's good. And he looked good. He looked good. Um, Mike Romal, our buddy at the Las Vegas Sun, tracked stats for the 11 on 11. Bailey 18 to 26, 171, one touchdown, one interception. Uh, Brumfield 14 to 20, 127, one touchdown, one interception. Um, Bailey looked better than I thought he was. Um, so I thought he was pretty good going through progressions. Um, it looks like he's got more than enough zip to get the ball to the outside or over the middle. He's got a good deep ball. Keep in mind, these spring showcases, these spring games are made for the offense. The pass rush is not coming, pin, you know, ears pinned back on a thousand miles an hour. The Pro Bowl. So, but but in terms of coverage, uh, you know, wide receiver versus defensive backs, um, wide receivers against linebackers over the middle. I mean, they're they're trying to cover. They're not blasting them, but they're trying to cover. Sure. So I thought the receiver room um, has improved. You know, again, it's not it's not full scale defense, but Ricky White, the transfer from Michigan State, he looked good. 
Um, Jeff Weimer was targeted a lot. He's a Juco out of the College of San Francisco. Seneca McKee is another wide receiver. is a little bit bigger. White 6'1". McKee's 6'2". Kyle Williams didn't play. There were about eight or nine guys who were regulars who didn't play for uh, various injuries or or maintenance. But between the quarterbacks, I thought the only thing with uh, Brumfield, and maybe it was by design more than, than I was picking up on, but I thought that he ran a little too much. Yeah. Uh, I mean, not- maybe, maybe in those cases, protection was freaking awesome. He couldn't find anyone. Um, it just seemed like Bailey stayed put a little bit more and delivered more passes. And we know uh, Bailey's not a scrambler. Brumfield can be really dangerous if he can get outside, get the edge, and avoid getting smashed, which, you know, last year was one of his problems was health. But he's he's a dangerous guy. But I, I thought they both played well, and I don't think you come out of this spring showcase with any one quarterback head and shoulders above the others. I would say that, you know, I wanted to, I really, really wanted to be out there, actually, and I ended up not being able to go, which I was disappointed by this weekend. Um, but I would say based on just fans that I know from Twitter that I follow, uh, Harrison Bailey and Ricky White were the most popular players. That's who people were very fired up about. <laughs> I thought McKee looked really good. I thought Weimer looked really good. Um, I also thought on defense, Ajake, as expected, I mean, he, until he hurt himself last year, um, he was all over the field. And, and as I've told you, uh, and I'll play some of the audio later this week, uh, Jare Williams is a guy that everyone on the team is talking about because he's kind of a jack-of-all-trades. He would be a, an undersized safety, but he can also cover. Uh, so defensive back, who I think is going to move all over the place, is also going to be one of the guys who's blitzing off the edge. And he had a couple of plays where you're like, okay, I can see the impact. How did like how did Arroyo feel after? That's usually a telling. <laughs> was he like, uh, he was, was totally, good? No, nah, he was totally positive. Okay, yeah. good. I mean, they, the uh, Brumfield had a couple of sloppy passes that almost got picked. Uh, he actually did get picked. Um, and Harrison Bailey got uh, intercepted when they were trying to do a two-minute drill, you know, go down and score a field goal or score a touchdown. I think that was the one by Ajake. So, But they're very deep at defensive back, and, and you know, as I, I told you last hour and last week, they've been stockpiling more defensive backs from all levels. The Division Two kid coming in, um, you know, a couple of kids coming in from Utah State and Utah, so they are they are planning to have a rotation, a deep rotation of defensive backs. Which is good, and I thought I thought it showed well in the spring showcase. Number four. Why does Baker Mayfield need a statue? He got a statue. Like he didn't buy one for himself. This isn't a Jim Gray thing with the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Um, Baker Mayfield has a statue, and it is very. Who's got the weird one? Ronaldo. Yeah, Cristiano Ronaldo has the really weird looking statue. Like he's like a Hanna Barbera character. Right. Um, this one does not look like Baker Mayfield. Well, Ronaldo, I feel is funnier because you know he's known worldwide as like this unbelievably looking human, right? And his statue is so ridiculously, hilariously bad. But it's almost funny because, like, obviously nobody thinks Ronaldo looks that ridiculous. For Baker, like, he's not—that's not really a reputation on Baker that he's like some great looking dude. And now he has to have this statue that looks—I don't know who it looks. It doesn't look like anyone. No. It just looks like a generic. Male. Why are so many statues and then also court sketches so bad? Remember the Brady court sketch? Well, court sketches, I feel like, are almost done on purpose. Like all sullen. Like <laughs> like his eyes deep set, all dark. Kind uh, of an evil looking character. His eyes uh, open about as much as yours do, which they don't open much. Not much at all. Um, I mean, I think we should probably get some sort of investigation. Maybe like a Netflix documentary into the world of sculptors. Like, my guess is that, like, there's favors doled out, 
and there's some like really inferior sculptors that are getting these contracts to make these the no bid sculptor <laughs> deal, <laughs> right? And then like somebody at Oklahoma knows somebody, and they're like, "You're a sculptor, like you know, my daughter is, is taking sculpting in class. She'll do the statue." And then you're like, "This doesn't look anything like it's, him. It's terrible." Who between Devo Samuel and Baker Mayfield, who via trade has the Who's more likely to affect the the one of the first two days of the draft? Because John Lynch keeps saying, like, we're not trading Debo Samuel. True. Um, I, th- I still think they are. Why? But here's the thing. Why, why do you think they are? In, in spite of the fact, why? Because they lied so much last year about uh, Mac Jones? Well, because it doesn't make sense. If, the, if, they're, if, if they're at a point where they are not going to be able to do, do a deal, and for, listen, there's a lot of different things coming out about why that's the case. My read on the situation is pre- it's it's a fairly clear what's happening. What is it? That the Niners are like, all right, well, the market's set. We know what receivers get. Here, There's Devonta Adams' deal. Here's Christian Kirk's deal, which is still preposterous. Yeah. Here, This is what the market for wide receivers, what I just mentioned earlier, four years, nine, you know, $95 million? That's about right. And Debo's people said, yeah, what about the 60 carries you gave us and that we got beat up for last right, year? Right. You have to pay us more than you're paying Devontae Adams or any of these other guys if you're going to continue using him as a running back. Or stop using him as a running back and we'll sign a wide receiver deal. And the, I think the Niners are probably pushing back on that saying, we'll use him how we want to use him. Like That's what he did well for us last year. He was good in that role. But I think teams need to understand if you are going to use this hybrid role, you're going to have to pay guys for it. And, and you know what's going to happen. If he played on the deal this year, he'd get to the end of the season, and the 49ers and every other team in the league would say, I don't know, man. You just took an extra you know, 150 hits at running back the last two years. Your body's destroyed. Yeah. Why would we pay you? And you know that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And if you're a fan that thinks that's you know silly or you're, you, know, you, you think, well, just sign the deal you're going to sign or stop whining. Mm-hmm. I'd like to make that much money too. Screw you. You, don't, you have no idea. And you would really hate if you're if you were doing work of three different people at work, and like, well, we're only going to pay you one salary. What are you talking about? Why? And then at, and then when it's time for a raise next year, you were like, hey, I look what I did. I need a raise. And your your employer came back and said, I don't know. You're probably pretty worn out. All those hours you put in for working for us overtime. Why would we pay you that much? You're worn out. You're not going to be as productive. That's what's happening. And so another team that wants to trade for Debo, not only giving up with Debo. Want, you know, not only the contract for him, but you're the picks or whatever you're going to do, you're going to have to sign that contract to him too, and he's probably going to negotiate in, I'm not playing running back, or you're going to have to pay me for it. But to answer your question, I think the Mayfield deal has more to do with the first night of the draft, potentially, because the Panthers have to make a decision what they're doing. And if they do go get Baker Mayfield, which they probably should, then the Panthers will take offensive linemen at six instead of a quarterback, which they potentially might have to do. That could really shake up the entire top ten. Number three. Reports out of Green Bay. I just I just, just made a bet that I just talked myself out of. Now I got a bet out of it. What? That sucks. During the break, I, I I think that Charles Cross is incredibly overrated. Um, Who is Charles Cross? Uh, the, the offensive lineman, uh, Mississippi State, that his, he's been really rising up the draft board. Right. To the point where it just moved to six and a half over under. And I bet over. I was like, he's going over. There, nobody was going to pick him. That's ridiculous. Even though the to him, I don't believe that. Um, but now I just, I just realized. Well, if the if Iquanu does go three or four, 
and Neil somehow goes up there, which I, I still don't think he will. I think he falls to nine. But if both of them are gone and the Panthers then acquire Baker Mayfield and are locked into taking an offensive lineman, then the third so offensive that- lineman would go six. I just I don't I still don't see it. But that is God, I just talked myself into that one. That's right. Number three. I'm glad we could be here so we could listen to your betting. That's what you did last segment. What are you talking about? I mean, that, that was good, that wholesome was, programming sure. for the sports fan. And number three. People should know that I actually, I bet Aiden Hutchinson. Number three. Hold on with number three. I bet him to go two. And then I also, then I started talking myself out of him. I'm like, I'm out of this. And then I bet him to go three and four. <laughs> okay. So, so he falls. I'm not the most composed sports better at times. Number three. So rumors out of Green Bay, one of the guys who covers the Packers says Packers and Raiders have engaged in talks to move Darren Waller to Green Bay. Packers have a lot of picks. They do. They got, what, five picks in, like, the top 75. Yeah. Uh, Raiders, I'm sure, would love to get back into the first round, but does that mean that you have to do it by getting rid of, you know, one of the top five tight ends in football? But complicating the whole thing is more paydays are on the way. And I'm sure Darren Waller and his people, as you mentioned, clutch. He switched agencies. They want more security. Yep. They want a deal. So what do the Raiders do here? And I'll, I'll tell you, on top of all this, the fascinating thing is I think it's been pretty much a nice honeymoon so far with Raiders fans and new management with the Raiders. They moved Darren Waller. Woo. There's going to be some people. That you had, Did you have someone write you saying the league should stop this from a humanitarian standpoint? <laughs> that it would be mean of the Raiders to trade Darren Waller to the Packers? Yeah, which, come on. Um, Concerns what? That he's got his life straight. Sure. Don't do this. Yeah. That's what the, that's, that's what the point okay. was of the league should step in. Uh, Waller has found a safe haven in Vegas. He's in a good headspace. Why risk a relapse in a new cold location? This is bigger than football. The Packers trading for Waller is borderline inhumane. It should be stopped. Okay. I don't want to make light of the man's addiction issues. Has he ever pointed to cold weather no, being a trigger? No. Why is that even brought up? I don't. I don't. I don't have any idea. Uh, like, uh, and I know we can just blurt out, "Hey, it's the business of football." It is, of course. And I don't. Yeah, I'd. I'd love to sit here. I think we all would. We all love Las Vegas, and and give a big old pat on the back. It must be Vegas. Yeah, that's keeping Darren Waller got him straight and is keeping him straight. That's not the case. Right. Uh, it's. Yeah. That, that's a. That's a silly. Argument to make. Um, obviously, everybody's rooting for Darren Waller, and it's a great story. But that, don't bring that into this. This is a business decision. So, do you expect um, a lot of Raider people, and that includes some media people, to say this is just outrageous? They would never move Darren Waller. Well, I can already tell you that's the case. As somebody who had Darren Waller being traded in my first mock draft, and had to hear all the all the people that came at me, uh, both in the media and outside of the media. Um, and again, you know, part of this is not, this is, if this does happen again, it hasn't happened and it's just speculation from the green Bay side. Um, it's not the Raiders thinking Darren Waller is no good. It's not getting rid of Darren Waller. It's Darren Waller saying, Hey, I want a new deal. Now I want to do this now. And the Raiders deciding, Hey, look, you're under contract for two more years. You're playing for us under that contract. Or if you really want a new contract, maybe we find a way to get it done or move you to somewhere that will sign you to that contract because the Raiders do have, you know, they just signed Crosby. They signed a one-year deal with Derek Carr. Uh, They've got a Hunter Renfro extension coming up, which 
the projected market value is four years, seventeen million a year. Like they've got all these deals to do. They might not be able to afford a Darren Waller massive extension here. So And just to compare, like George Kittle starting next year is at eighteen million, twenty million, seventeen and a half million those three years. So tight end money is gonna be north of fifteen million. Yeah. And that's what he deserves. And right now he's making less than half of that. So I mean, I think it makes sense from his his team's perspective to find out where they can get paid the most money and have the most security and have the most guaranteed money going forward. The Raiders should absolutely want him to play under this contract and hope that he does. But if it's not going to happen, the best thing to do is try to get some value. And just to go back, like to explain what happened with their first trade, it sounds like there was a deal completed between the Packers and the Raiders that included Darren Waller going to Green Bay. Now, that wasn't allowed to happen uh, because league rules prevented that. You can't trade a player that's on a tag for one that is not. So that fell through. The Raiders instead got the extra pick. So was there a handshake agreement at that time to say, now we'll we'll figure out how to make this deal happen in the future? Or is this a completely new discussion that's going on? Or did somebody in Green Bay catch wind of that and run with that as a report that that's going to happen now, even though that's already in the past? We don't know. We're still trying to figure out where they stand with this. But um, Green Bay has kind of promised fireworks in terms of their pass catching, pass catching group uh, we'll see if this happens. And, and imagine if if they were able to get Waller and then still have the capital to get either Debo or like trade up and get Jamison Williams, somebody like that. They could reshape that receiving core very, very quickly. Number two. Fan Appreciation Weekend for VGK. Most appreciated would have been a win. They fall to the Sharks. They fall in just dramatic fashion. It goes to OT on a basically a buzzer beater, nine-tenths of a second left. They lose a shootout. Now, we know about one of the fan appreciation promotions. The team, along with Smiths, gave away a bunch of free gas. Did they do something after the game? Yeah, and I want to be oh, clear. Boy. I want to be clear that this is not. This is tough. It, it's not the team's fault. This is every year this happens. Right, right. So after the but final after that home kind game, of game, after the final home game every year, they do fan appreciation night, which includes two things. One, there's some fan voted on awards that are given out to some of the players, and then, um, and I don't know how these fans are selected. Um, I know I've recognized a couple of them over the years. I know some of our friends have been a part of this where you know a group of like 30 fans are on the ice after the game and they pick an envelope and it has a player's number in it and that player will then take their jersey off from the game sign it and give it to the fan and so that happened last night now again this has happened every year but every other year whether they win or lose they're going to have more games of the playoffs are coming up like that's that's what's going to happen so they've never experienced something like this before where they do they have the game they have this heartbreaking unbelievable loss in the last seconds and then it's like hey guys stay out here because now the fans are going to win your jerseys and you got to sign them and basically the players had to stay out there until their name was called and listen i am not faulting them for this uh in the years past they've kind of stayed out there signed the jersey hung around a little bit literally uh, many of the players would take the jersey off sign it and to the dressing room last night. It, like they did not want to be out there 
by any stretch. And they, you, you get it. I wouldn't have wanted to be out there. Yeah. Uh, but I, I thought even, man, like Mark Stone was one of the last guys, and you get to see he was like, why the hell am I out here right now? Logan Thompson, who had, after he gave up the two late goals, lost in the shootout, which he was fine in the shootout. He gave up a goal in the third chance, and the Knights never converted one. But he just laid face first on the ice and then had to stay out there waiting for somebody to get his jersey, and it was the last jersey awarded. And by the way, on him laying on the ice face first, and I'm assuming crying, I don't know, I didn't see, but he was so so devastated by the game. The two quote-unquote awful teammates, Jack Eichel, Robin Leonard, first two out there to help him up. It's the Big Five at Five, brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers. If you've been injured, call Justin Watkins at Battleborn Injury Lawyers, 570-9000. All these bus riders, they don't mean nothing to me. If you ain't driving the bus, don't walk around and talk about you a champion. If you riding the bus, I don't want to hear it. Come on, Shaq, tell them. All these guys walk around with these championship rings. Hey, y'all bus riders. But let me tell you something. Two in a row, Chuck. When you bus, when you're the bus driver, and you got all that pressure when you have to play well, are you gonna get the blame? That's a different animal. Now back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Studio. Are you not gonna respond to that with a smart aleck remark for Barkley, the bus rider and the bus driver? I don't understand what he's talking about usually. I mean, some could say that Shaq was never the bus driver. Well, isn't a, I mean, I'm not. I, I get the you get analogy what he was to some yeah. degree. I the just, leader I of the team is the bus driver. I don't. And I was along for the ride. But no offense to that very important position in our society. I've never looked at that as a leader. Should we just get rid of all bus comparisons? I think so. Like yeah, last week when we were talking about Pete DeBoer backing the bus over sure. Robin Leonard. Is that no good? I mean, that one makes a little bit more sense. I, unlike you, actually have high, high, high respect for bus drivers as leaders in our so society. Seriously, they have a lot of responsibility. They do. And every time I'm on a bus in some godforsaken, snowy, frozen, icy town or near an airport, and I've got a bus driver... With my well-being in his hands, I appreciate that. I appreciate it very much. First and, of all, and, and as someone you, who would love to just roll a bus, bus over different people, when are you taking buses? All the time. You know, he travels to and from the airports in buses. Okay, well, I was thinking more like public buses, which I don't. Think I haven't taken drive. a public bus in a long time. I will I, say, I actually, when I first when I first started working, I was a I was a devoted. Uh, I wasn't a driver. Make no mistake about it. I encounter, I, rode the bus. I encounter many more shuttle drivers. Okay. Who, not in Las Vegas, of course. Yes. In other parts of the country, like usually, like 99% of the time are awesome. And then like that 1% where they're like, they think they're running a country. You over here, you sit there. Right? Like, all right. Are you talking you about the rental car buses at airports? That, yeah, or like a hotel shuttle. Just drive. Let, we'll get on, you drive. Like, where did this rant good. come from? You, I, the I bus know, driver I thing. I, well, I didn't know you. You were anti bus driver, anti shuttle. I'm not. Driver. Anti, I'm, I said Sounds 99. Like you are. I said 99 percent of the time they're it's a good unbelievable. Good listener base. Now you're crapping on them. I just said 99 percent of the time they're unbelievable. How is that crapping on them? You know how people take it. That's way. They don't hear, they don't hear that. That's way more consistent than any other profession. 
I don't think there's any other profession. I would say 99% of the time they do a great job. I don't know. I love Can we just get all, back to what everyone. Barkley said, or are we going to? I'm, I'm just saying I've never. Or, or is this a cover because you don't know what he said? I've never seen. Or who he was talking about. No, I've never seen. <laughs> I've never looked at bus drivers as leaders. I don't. Here we go. I've back never to understood back. that I tried analogy. I to get you off that point. I've never understood that analogy. That's all I'm saying. What's coming up this week, Steve? You just want to get out of this? What do you got well, in your hand there? Coming up, I do want to get into Adam's story. We have an affinity as a show that is big, highest weighted show, not rated, highest weighted show in the country for sports talk. Sure. We like physical freaks. Sure. If you're 5'1", 400, we're down with you. If you're Chet Holmgren and you're seven foot one forty five, that's the flip side of it. Sure. But Adam wrote about a big offensive lineman out of Minnesota, and I want to hear about a story here in a couple of minutes. What do we have coming up this week? Thank you so much. Yeah. I appreciate that. We'll call it wall to wall coverage of the draft. It's here in town, rounds one to seven. You can hear on our sister station, Raider Nation Radio, nine twenty, three o'clock on Thursday, JT the Brick. Former Raider Eric Allen and ESPN national star Jason Fitz with a pre-draft show until 5 o'clock. Friday, same deal, joined by Q Myers. That'll start at 2 o'clock. And again, your best draft coverage in town is going to be on Raider Nation Radio, 920 a.m. We'll get into the names rising and falling in Adam's mock draft and also this gargantuan lineman that I think we'd all like to see as a right tackle Project, prospect, with the Raiders. The crew over at Finley Toyota speak Spanish, Thai, and even Persian. In fact, they speak 14 different languages. Come in and talk the universal language of big savings today. I had Thibodeau going there uh, at four in the Mach 4 point. I was told by people I respect that ain't happening. It's just not happening. I, that's what I was told, and it was no reason given. It's, he's not going to be a Jet. I don't know if that's true or not, but I think he will be there. If they pass, then he becomes. There are a lot of people who think he could slide down the nine. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota studio. studio. Gotta love all the smoke screens for the NFL draft. This is when it really starts to heat up, and it's on the ground here in Las Vegas. Adam Hill, Cofield. You know games are being played full bore. Of course. Right? That's Kuiper talking about Thibodeau sliding. Then you were saying earlier, word around town, Thibodeau's people are like, nah, he's number two. He's going yeah. number two. Lions love him. Lock. Yeah. Okay. But I also think that's based on Hutchinson going one. And if Walker goes one. And now Walker is shot up to like minus 220 to be the number one pick. It would be that changes the game for the Lions. Who I'm not saying they have to take the guy from right down the road. I mean, it would be real tough not to. A guy that is pretty universally seen as the most ready to step in right now, be a contributor to a defense, a great prospect. Obviously, Trayvon Walker is more projectable. Like you, he probably has a higher ceiling. You right. hope that he reaches. But we haven't seen it. What about Thibodeau against Hutchinson? I mean, I would go Hutchinson. Thibodeau also has perhaps a higher ceiling. Now, the ties with Detroit um, with Thibodeau are interesting. I mean, it, it would make some sense in that 
Detroit last year took a player who had similar questions. It was like, hey, this guy's really good, but how much does he care about football? He has other interests. He wants to do other things. How dedicated is he? He happened to work out. By the end of the year, Panay Sewell was really good. Panay Sewell, a close friend and former college teammate of Kayvon Thibodeau, who by all accounts has gone to Detroit and said, get that guy. Now Detroit, if you go back and look at Pro Days, sent not one, not two, not three, like LeBron, the entire organization went to Oregon for Kayvon Thibodeau's Pro Day. Like they wanted to find out everything they could about him. That was clear. And so there are there are definitely ties there. But again, that was when everybody just assumed Hutchinson was going to be off the board. So how much does it change it? And I don't know what goes on in a in a front office, you know, in that draft room. Like if you are so if you are convinced Hutchinson's going one, and then you go, All right, we love Thibodeau. You know, we would probably take Hutchinson over Thibodeau, but we love Thibodeau. We're sold. We want him. We're tied in with this guy. And then all of a sudden on draft night, you've got 10 minutes, and they're like, oh, Hutchinson's available, by the way. Like, what goes on? How does that conversation go? I I don't know. And I think those things are interesting. And, and again, we don't know for sure that they're sold already on Thibodeau, but that is the word certainly that is around right now. On the rumors out there that uh, Darren Waller could be moved by the Raiders to the Packers, might be a way to trade back into the first round. Uh, Our buddy Vic Tafer. Says, uh, yeah, this is the only feasible way they could move all the way up from pick 86, you know, to get earlier in the draft. He also said just because the Packers want him doesn't mean it'll happen. Who wouldn't want Waller? Adds a little intrigue to this week's proceedings. And Vic says he's been saying all along that the Raiders would move Waller after next season if they're not going to give him a big extension. So this he thinks this might be too early. I mean, if Waller agreed to play for the money he's due this year, then of course you keep him around. Of course. If he's going to be cool with it. Of course. Yeah, I mean, let's keep the band together and give it one run before you have to start dealing with Waller's money and Renfro's money. But why would he be cool with it? I mean, I think that's the that's the question. Why would he be? I wouldn't be. Again, like the the the, the Waller deal is kind of the same way I felt about the car deal. Like if I'm the Raiders, okay, yeah, play on this deal. Yeah, we're good. And if you force my hand, okay, we'll have to make a decision. But if I'm Carr, I wouldn't have played on his deal. And if I'm the Raiders, I would have wanted him to. If I'm Waller, I wouldn't be playing on this deal. And if I'm the Raiders, I would love him to play on this deal. So, I mean, that that's kind of where you're at of how willing is the player to play on the current, on the current contract. And if they are, then there's nothing to see here. Like, by the way, if Darren Waller was willing to play on this deal, there wouldn't be rumors that he could get traded. Those things wouldn't happen. Did you read a Packer media person who was like, oh, this would be a really good deal because Waller doesn't make anything? Yeah. Be good for the Packers. He goes, wow, look at the contract Waller has. Two more years at $7 million? This is great. Yeah, you wouldn't be able to have him on that contract. That's the whole point. He's getting moved. <laughs> you will be right. signing him to the big money extension. The reason that you could potentially get him is because that is not the contract he's going to play for. Like the, the silliness that goes on in some of these things is crazy sometimes. Well, people react before looking at all the numbers, although sure. he did look at all the numbers and maybe isn't <laughs> right. picking up on what the real story is. Sure. All right, so who's this gigantic offensive lineman? What's his, uh, his background? Aussie, 6'8", 385, right tackle prospect? Daniel Fa'alele. Uh, he arrived at campus at Minnesota at a much more healthy, as you you would love, 
426. Is that right? Yeah. Um, he wow. was a basketball and rugby player in Australia. Uh, outgrew that a little bit when he was 6'8", 426. But and, that'd be awesome to watch him playing at 6'8", 426. As a junior in high school. That's nice. Uh, by the way, he says his brother is going to be bigger than him. His brother, I believe, is 12, and he's like 6'3", 290, something like that. <laughs> that <laughs> is awesome. Massive. Um, That's your freaking family. But he was playing. He was you, playing. Guys were all gig- you guys were all gigantic <laughs> yeah. at freaking 12 years old. He was playing basketball. Um, oh, boy. Derek Carr tweet about the, uh, the Waller trade. All right. We'll get to that. We'll uh, get to yeah. it in the grab bag. Um, Sit tight. He just did. Um, so so uh, he was playing basketball. He was at a camp. Hawaii basketball was over there doing a camp. Obviously, there's some connections there. They saw him, and they told they told the football program about him um, and apparently started to spark his interest in football. Didn't know anything about it. Didn't Had never seen a play. Didn't know what it was. Didn't know what a first down was. Uh, University of Michigan did a camp over there in Melbourne. Uh, they said, hey, man, you got to play football. Let's get, let's make this happen. They sent him to IMG in Florida. He eventually decided to go, showed up on campus with no idea what football was, what a helmet was, anything about football. So how was he to start? Well, the first year they just said, you're not playing. We, we, we need to figure this out. It was his junior year in high school. Well, especially at IMG. Yeah. And, and they're one of the best teams in the country. Like every, every guy, you know, every guy in their top 25 is a... Is a college recruit. So he who's, basically who's got to play, and you can't put an inexperienced guy out there. He used his first year at IMG just to learn football, learn how to line up, all those sorts of things. Never knew anything about it. Uh, already had scholarship offers from basically every top ten program. Every team in the country already offered him before he ever played a down of football in his life. Um, finally played his senior year, looked pretty good. Committed to Minnesota, uh, mostly because, as he said, uh, PJ Fleck actually decided to fly his mom in for the visit from Australia. And that really impressed him. Other schools did not do that. Uh, played pretty well in Minnesota. Good player. Got better each year. Now, uh, reading reading the scouting reports and everything that everybody says about him and seeing on, seeing on film, he, okay, I'm obviously much more talented. He's me. Like, he doesn't want to hit anybody. He's like, I, uh, very tentative. He's not a How mean person. Be? He's not a mean person by any stretch. Now, he did say at the combine when I talked to him, he said, "I love just running people over and knocking them down." But he doesn't really show that. He, he's he's meek is not the he's not like he's not meek, but he does look like he doesn't want to hurt people, and I think teams want to see more of a violent streak in him, especially with his hands. But he's so good that it hasn't really mattered. Like he's just that impressive as an athlete, moves really really well for a size. Again, rugby player and a basketball player, so he moves really well. But he's still learning how to play football. So I, I think it's a really intriguing prospect. Day two of the draft, second and third round. That's coming up this Friday. Big draft viewing party going down to Crazy Horse 3, 364-1100, caller 7. We'll get you the uh, VIP treatment, free admission for up to four people, VIP seating, free bottle service, 364-1100. It is the place to be all weekend long. It's one of the you know really cool spots right there near the owl. It's Crazy Horse 3 on Russell. Winner right now, VIP treatment via RE364-1100. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Cofield and Company presents Grab Bag. Don't touch it. Don't even look at it. Only on ESPN Las Vegas. Take your hand in there, Dave. So we were talking about the uh, Darren Waller trade rumors. You know, it's from one Packer reporter. Waller to the Packers. Who knows what it would be for? The thought is 
Raiders could trade someone to get into the first round. Maybe get another pick. With that, uh, Derek Carr has tweeted some reaction to the rumor, and so as a member of the Packers, correct? Yeah. So we had somebody tweeted at Derek Carr with the report and said, please stop this. And Carr retweeted it and said, LOL, no chance. No chance he won't stop it? I think no chance that it happens is what he's saying. Hmm. Although it was noticeable that at Derek Carr's press conference, he said part of the reason he took less money was to get more money for a bunch of guys on the team and mentioned them specifically and didn't mention Darren Waller. Uh, he did later mention Waller during that same and press conference. They're they're the opening host to intro the draft, right? Ooh, yeah. Wouldn't that be a hoot? Ooh. Darren Waller introing the draft and finds out hours later you've been traded. Here's before. Here's here's your opening openers for the draft from the Raiders, Derek Carr from the Packers, Darren Waller. Okay. Oh man. They might Would it be that? dynamite if they if they intro the trade that way? <laughs> if they break it to the crowd. If, what if uh they both show up in Raiders jerseys and then Waller a, takes off a jersey and puts on a Packers jersey? Yep, like the t shirt guy. Or the cheese head? He Ooh, just throws he walks out with a cheese head, or just throws it on. Has a Raiders hat on, throws on the cheese head. It's kind of hard to, unless you're carrot top and you have like a, a crate with you. Okay, it's kind of hard well, okay. to hide Hold the on. cheese head. Here we go. What's wrong? So it's just Twitter is, reaction is, is driving it's, him nuts it's, the last ninety it, minutes course, on Waller. My whole life, it's, uh, it's all I do is Twitter all night. And then, by the way, I sit at home and do. Oh, come on, on Twitter every day <laughs> by yourself. Uh, yeah, <laughs> um, I sit. In, I sit in the coffee shop working, just reacting. Um, Some weird guy gesturing all the time. Over as, there. as you mentioned, people from both teams have now tweeted about this. Mm-hmm. Derek Carr tweeted about it, said, LOL, no chance. Adrian Amos, the, star- the starting safety for the Packers, uh, basically tweeted some eyeball emojis like, ooh, look at this. This could be interesting. Response from somebody that follows me on Twitter. Because I said, so now we have both Raiders and Packers players tweeting about this. Right? Factual. That's yeah. just what, what's going on. His response yeah, except one is the quarterback who has a lot of say, and the other is a safety with none. Like, okay. Uh, like, you're just making of, up your own narrative uh, at this a, point. A lot of say. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> you think Ziegler and McDaniels are running by uh, the draft plan and everything else? Here's our organization, uh, organizational plan the next couple of years, Derek. What do you think? <laughs> this, is, this is so ridiculous. That's why you love it. Why the <laughs> NFL rules, too. It is why I love it. Stick your hand in there, Dave. So UNLV basketball trying to uh, shore up the front court had a couple of visitors in the last four days. Uh, Morris Desi, six eight two forty from Wichita State, visited, and then hometown hero who went off to West Virginia, Isaiah Cottrell, Bishop Gorman guy. He's visiting today, so that would be a pretty good freaking haul if they get both. For sure, yeah. Uh, Udesi's list. He keeps getting new schools reaching out to him. Um, Top eight as of last week. He did visit New Mexico. New Mexico, Ole Miss, LSU, UNLV, Virginia Tech, Maryland, Texas, Georgia Tech. Uh-oh, Texas. Beard can be dangerous. Definitely can be. I also found this one funny. A disgruntled Wichita fan. Listen to this one, how rich, pun intended, this this comment is. He lists all the players, right? Morris Udesi. Ricky Council. We got to see Wichita up close. They actually, they're a pretty talented team. They didn't yeah. have a very good year. All these guys are going to be paid a decent amount. I would suspect uh, RC4, that's Ricky Council, 
He's going to be making a lot of money at his next step. Is a Wichita fan bitching that the transfer portal is taking players from his Shockers program because of money? Where do these people come from? Wichita. Like, how how do people think Wichita rose from a decent-level basketball program to one that could make Final Fours? How do you think that happened? I, is anyone familiar with the Koch brothers or a brother now? They funded the program. Right. Greg Marshall was paid millions and millions of dollars. They had resources to go out and get recruits. Now that has dried up. Now you're looking at the system and you're like, oh, you know, other schools are just paying guys. Yeah. I just, I like, I don't, I don't know what goes through the fans' heads in some of these cities. Like, yes, what a natural landing spot for a great high school or JUCO player or transfer to land. Everyone in the country knows Wichita is beautiful. What a city. Like these bumpkin places. How do you think you rose from nothing? I've What are you nuts? I've seen This system screwed up. I've, what? I've seen UCLA fans do it. What whining that some of their players went what that they had a player just stolen like, by Wyoming? It's like, oh, it's tough, you know, college sports when everybody's cheating. Like you only rose to prominence through oh. that. Yeah. No one wanted to talk about John Wooden and his and his banker. It's just it's it's been it's going crazy. on in college basketball for freaking seventy years. And there's an ebb and a flow to it, and you know, you either you have your program backed by money or it's not. And in the case of Wichita State, give me a break for Shockers fans now to be like, oh, this system screwed up. Not fair to the little guy who only has a billionaire funding everything. Stick your hand in there, Dave. I read the New York Post. Um, I don't know. I don't even know what to call Phil Mushnick. He's kind of. I mean, I was reading him when I was a, a kid. Well, you know, whatever in college and high school. And his column has not changed at all. You sent you sent this over. I read this. Uh, I didn't even click on the link you sent, but I read his column last week. He, he was he was doing this whole thing on um, starting pitchers and analytics and starting pitchers not being able to not being allowed to go more than you know ninety pitches in five innings. And as I read it, I was like. This is I had nothing to write about this week. I like Phil Moshnick. I think he's pretty creative. And he, he and he does push back, but my God, dude, this was what a lazy story this was. Yeah. Well, in in that same column that you're talking, he's he had two just unbelievably old references last week. Yeah, what was like, the reference? Because I saw it and I was like, what is he talking so about from like the late fifties or early sixties? Part of yeah, part of this column that you're talking about on the analytics in baseball was he said, remember oh. a 1966 hit by the Statler Brothers, Flowers on the Wall? It was a clever, sarcastic song about tedium. And then he just goes into like... Well, let me answer. No. Of, of course I do. I, I don't. I don't. No. You don't 1966, right? Statler Brothers. No. And then, then he says, those who recall it might now sing it all day, and I apologize for that. But that song has replaced Take Me Out to the Ball Game. Like, no, it, I don't even know what it is. What, a, what are you talking about? He's an this old is guy. lunacy. Yeah. And then apparently he made a reference to the Will Smith Chris Rock saga. Right. And he said, breaking news in Will Smith's next film, he'll portray the late comedian Slappy White. What is this, 1934? <laughs> That's your joke? And the the let me tell you, from the baseball standpoint, the column was so bad. Because he cherry picked a couple of situations where a starter was humming along and the bullpen blew it. Everyone is doing this. People are winning games with this formula. 
So just to cherry pick a Met and a Yankee example, because the New York Post was just, uh, it's pretty silly. Settle down. Oh, I got. I missed a slappy white. Yeah, yeah. He'll portray the late comedian Slappy White. Ah, 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 Killing me. (laughs) Well, I I got in a pretty big argument with a former NHL player this week about analytics, and he like he was it was one of those things where he's mad but he's laughing. Right. He's like yelling about analytics. You kids with your analytics. And then I was like, you you realize. Analytics has been used forever. You just didn't call it that. Yeah. What are you talking about? And I said, well, like, you played in the NHL. Didn't you pull your goalie at a certain point to try to score a goal? And wasn't there a calculation of how long you should do that for? That's analytics. Like, it's always been used. There's just a name for it now. So stop fighting it. He didn't like that too much. By the way, isn't the person you were talking to, like, five years older than you? Like, they're not old. Uh, you, kid, you kids. He's about ten years older. I think. Then it made me feel good because you're you are not you are not a kid. You're an old. I don't man. think you knew who I was talking about. I have a feeling I knew. Oh really? You, you made a reference, or someone did earlier in the show to who okay. you're hanging out with. Oh, so okay. I pick up on these things right. every once in a while. I can process. Sure. I still got the fastball. The end of the show every once in a while. All right. Well, are we out of time. What's going on? <laughs> it's over.